Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Hello, everyone. I'm Dorothy Koshu, host of the Benefits Executive Roundtable. I'm here today with Ryan Dorgan, who is a Medicare and senior care expert and a licensed health and life agent here in California. Thanks, Ryan, for being here today for my Medicare podcast. I'm very happy to be here. Great. This is going to be exciting. I like this. We've known each other for a while, as you know, and uh, actually I met you uh, when serving together on the board of the Orange County Association of Health Underwriters, or ACAHU. So I can say that I know you pretty well, and I can say that it's honestly a pleasure to be interviewing you today for my podcast. Um, I have to say that you're quite a salesperson because, as I recall, I was off the board and then came back on temporarily to be the editor of The Coin, the County of Orange Insurance News, which is Akahu's news magazine. And I only came on to do it for a year or two just to bring it back. And then you became president-elect and you basically sold me into staying on to be your vice president <laughs> of communications. Stay on, just, just stay on. I need you. Stay on, stay on. So I have to say you're quite a salesperson. So I just wanted to compliment you on that because you did talk to me. I was I was a happy husband. I didn't want to come back. I was just there to ch- help the chapter out, you know. No, you you certainly uh, put in your time and and uh, did your service. Um, it was it, it's just so important what Health Underwriters does. I think not only for uh, for the insurance brokers and making sure that their voice is heard, but also in making sure that the needs of our clients are understood and valued, both at the state level and at the federal level, and. Um, Kind of similar, I got into it, you know, just wanting to to make sure that there was a voice for the Medicare agent in, involved in this, you know, outstanding association. And um, one thing led to the next, and I, I was uh, staring down a year of a presidency, and I wanted to make sure that if, if I did it, I, I did it the right way, and I had good people around me. And that's the most important thing is is having a good team. And, and um, you know, your experience and your voice uh, in, in some of the crazy times was was so helpful and so meaningful. So I'm so grateful that, that you did stay on and uh, and help me uh, get through that year and, and make it successful. Oh, well, thank you for the compliments. I appreciate it. But as you know, I was a happy has-been. I was a past president of Akahu. I was a past president of Kahu. I was a past regional vice president of Nahu and like I said, I was only going to do this for a year or two and walk away because I felt like I already served my time. So thanks again for, you know, really <laughs> filling up my time with more volunteer work. But actually, it was a good thing because uh, it it, uh, <laughs> it kept me more involved again. And, and I actually uh, later on became the uh, vice president of communications for California Association again um, because okay. of that. So I guess I can credit you for all of that. <laughs> you, you didn't get out when you had the chance. I know. And now you made me stuck. <laughs> I know. But it's it's all good. It's all good. And you're right. It's good to, to really be involved in associations like this because it can uh, it can really help out. But we're here today to talk about Medicare. So I want to uh, talk a little bit about you and talk a little bit about this big thing called Medicare uh, because we've got mm-hmm. a big big dates coming up here very quickly. So I just want to make sure that everyone understands your background other than obviously the health underwriters. I want to make sure everyone understands your background. Uh, when we met, you were a sales executive at AGA, which is a general mm-hmm. agency, right, for Medicare and senior care products. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about how that background assisted you and what you're doing today? Uh, yeah, so uh, AGA or uh, Applied General Agency is uh, is a Medicare general agency. So uh, what they do is they uh, they get a group of agents together, and most of them have never you know been involved in the Medicare business before. Um, you know they're 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 coming in from other you know lines of health insurance, maybe individual health insurance, maybe they were selling the Affordable Care Act uh, plans. And um, there's so many folks who are turning 65. Uh, I think the numbers are over 10,000 people a day right now that are turning 65. And so what AGA does a a great job of is contracting and getting contracts with all of the major Medicare Advantage and Medicare supplement carriers available in an area. So when a broker is going out to meet with their clients um, and to advise them uh, when they're getting ready to turn 65 as to what their Medicare benefits are, Rather than trying to sell them one plan or tell them, you know, this this product is is the better product for you, 
really what they do is they walk them through a consultative sale. So they show them everything that's available and they help these Medicare beneficiaries select a plan that makes the most sense for their particular needs, whether it's, you know, particular prescriptions that they're taking or particular doctors that they need to see. And um, so I really got into that. My background before that was I was a waiter and a bartender. <laughs> um, and my, my buddy from high school uh, uh, kind of got me the, the job there starting on the commission side of things. And then I worked my way over and, and started working directly with the, with the insurance brokers. And it was very re- rewarding in not only helping people help their clients, but also in, in helping so many of these insurance brokers set up their own business. So I did that for about 14 or 15 years and uh, recently decided um, I wanted to do that for myself. And it was February and March of this year, I, I, I got through last open enrollment period. And then I really wanted to have a full year to kind of build a foundation and, and set up my own agency. So I've been doing that for about a year now and, and I'm getting ready to go into uh, open enrollment period kind of on my own. I'm still working very closely with, uh, with AGA, but uh, certainly now I have uh, a little bit more uh, a say in, in uh, my day-to-day schedule um, <laughs> as I'm the, the president of my own, my own agency now. Yeah. And that's, we have similar backgrounds. I started in the third party administration business and I did the same thing. I was in that business helping brokers for quite a few years and, and doing all the work and, and then decided to go out on my own as well. So um, I, I know what that's like and uh, I applaud you for doing that because uh, that's always a risky thing. You know what I mean? When you, when you've worked with the backing of, of a large company and then you decide, you know what, I'm just going to try this for myself. And I like that entrepreneurial spirit because obviously I have it too. So we have that in common. Well, you've been uh, talking to me about it for uh, for the last couple of years uh, kind of whispering in my ear and and you know wondering uh, when I was going to uh, have the opportunity to do that so I, I again I want to thank you for uh, for uh, kind of inspiring me and, and and making sure that you know I felt confident and that when the time was right uh, that I would be uh, successful in, in doing it and uh, so again thank you so much for for doing that and and I know you and I kind of talked uh, offline um, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and and we were kind of laughing about how things were going because I had the great idea to to start my own business and set up my own business in March of this year, mm-hmm. uh, right when everything kind of the whole world kind of fell apart. So perfect, it, it's perfect timing. Very interesting. Perfect yeah. timing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was a little worried about you, as you know, during that time. I'm like, oh boy, this was not a good time to do this. But you, you know, you persevered and you you did fine. You, you know, you you hung in there and and uh, and, I, and I'm very proud of you for doing that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's just kind of a, a different time now, and and uh, so I do think it's important that um, you know everybody kind of understands that you know you may have to get your information from some different resources, but it's still out there, and to make sure that you guys are. Um, for any clients, prospective clients that may be listening, there's resources that are available online. Make sure that you guys are taking advantage of those during the open enrollment period. Yeah, let's talk about that. It's literally Medicare season. Um, annual enrollment period starts pretty soon here now, October 15th uh, through December 7th, if my memory serves. Let's talk first about employer requirements on notices. Can you fill our listeners mm-hmm. in? You know, When do they need to get them out? Who do they need to get them out to? What are the requirements? Yeah, well, actually, you should already be receiving them. These will uh, start coming out in in the summer, and um, you know they're going to let you know about uh, any changes that may be coming up with your with your current employer plan. The concern is a lot of times, unless you're talking to somebody who is a a Medicare expert, you may not be getting all the information that you need on when to make that uh, that switch to a Medicare plan. So, you know, if you're on an employer group plan right now and you're getting ready to retire, if you're over 65. It's important to go in there and, and start that conversation with the folks at your human resources department so that you can get that information because generally your Medicare information may not be included in your, you know, the, a lot of the, uh, the, the paperwork that the general employees are, are getting there. And um, it's important to, to keep in mind that if you miss some deadlines or you, you miss some dates, you could be looking at some penalties. So to, to make sure to understand what your options are, if you're getting ready to retire, or if you're getting ready to come off of that employer plan. And then obviously, if you're wanting to take a look at any changes that are going to be coming up with your plan, now is the time that those changes, you'll start receiving those in the mail and, uh, you know, start identifying, you know, if there are any changes coming up with your plan for this next enrollment period coming up in January, that you're able to uh, to make those changes now. Yeah. So 
What can seniors do during the open enrollment period? So if you are currently on a Medicare plan, a Medicare Advantage plan, then anybody who is, is currently enrolled on Medicare between that period of time, October 15th through December 7th, they get an opportunity to take a look at all of the different Medicare plans that are going to be available to them starting on January 1st. And um, basically, these plans are going to change every single year. There's going to be small changes sometimes, and then other years there's going to be great big changes. And in terms of the coverage of the cost of your prescriptions, in terms of the doctors that you may see being in network or out of network. So it is important to make sure that you have a chance to review these plans, to see what is changing. Your plan may actually be getting better. You actually may be getting stronger benefits, which is what we see a lot of times. There is always the chance that your plan may be going away, that your plan may be reducing benefits. And so that six-week period of time there from October 15th to December 7th, that's the period of time that anybody who is currently on a Medicare plan has to review, see what's out there, see what those changes are going to be for next year, and make any plan changes that they need to make. Okay, great. What's the, uh, what are the most common questions that seniors have when they're signing up for Medicare for the first time? So seniors who are signing up for the first time really want to know what is going to be different about this from their experience in their previous health insurance plan. Most of the time here in the United States, you're coming off of an employer plan, meaning it's a, it's a health insurance plan that's being provided to you by your employer. You may be paying into that. Uh, a lot of times your employer may be covering that cost for you. But constantly, you will see every paycheck you are paying into Medicare. You're paying into Social Security and you're paying into Medicare coming out of every single paycheck. And so when you turn 65, now you've got options and you've got a lot more flexibility in your plan choices. Now, if you are continuing to work and you want to uh, uh, stay covered under that employer coverage, as long as you continue working, you have that option. You are allowed to do that. However, it's when folks retire, it's when they come off of that employer group plan and they're making that transition into Medicare that there may be a lot of questions and a lot of confusion. You get to choose your plan, whereas a lot of times before in your past, your plan may have been chosen for you and thus your network of doctors may have been chosen for you. So now enrolling on Medicare, you get the opportunity, say you've been on Kaiser for your, you know, your entire working life, now you have the opportunity to come off of Kaiser and view other medical groups that may be available to you, a Monarch or a St. Joe's in Orange County or a UCLA Medical Center um, if, you're, if you're in Los Angeles County. There are plans that are designed to specifically cover your particular prescriptions if you've been diagnosed with a, with a critical illness, which two out of five uh, uh, seniors who are turning 65 have some have already been diagnosed with some type of chronic illness, be it diabetes or COPD. And so there's Medicare plans that are specifically designed to fit the needs of those seniors. And a lot of times you're not going to be used to selecting a plan like that. You may not even be used to selecting a plan at all. Like I said, it may have already been selected for you throughout your, your working career. Well, you said that there are plenty of plans available for them and they can choose them. So tell me a little bit about the types of plans that are available now when someone is looking at Medicare coverage. Sure. You know, we're very fortunate here in, in, in California and, um, you know, Southern California, especially, we have some of the very, very best doctors, uh, some of the best medical care, best access to hospitals um, anywhere in the country. But you uh, come off of your employer group plan and you've got original Medicare, which is again, what you've been paying your taxes into. That's your, that's your, your part A of Medicare. That is going to cover your, your inpatient hospital. When you turn 65, you'll have the option to enroll into part B of Medicare. That's gonna cost you around $130 a month. It may be a little bit more expensive depending on your income level. And then that's gonna cover your, your part B. So you take your Part A of Medicare, you combine that with your Part B of Medicare, and that's what we generally refer to as original Medicare. There's many folks that, you know, if, if you work 40 quarters in this year, you turn 65, you enroll in Part B, 
that's what many people think of as having Medicare is your part A and your, your part B. Now, the problem is, in general, that split will cover about 80% of your Medicare expenses. General rule of thumb, it's about an 80-20 split. So the beneficiary is still responsible for that extra 20% out of pocket. And that is what we as Medicare brokers really look to try to find solutions to cover. Yeah, that could um, that could be a lot of money. I mean, twenty percent of a twenty percent, you know, is is a lot to seniors that are on a fixed income. That could be a lot of money. Absolutely. You know, we're talking to people all the time, Dorothy, that are making the decision between can I afford my next meal and can I afford my prescriptions, and that's a very real discussion and a decision that people are having to make, unfortunately, here in this country every single day, and. So those, you know, those life-saving procedures, those catastrophic hospital stays will just completely deplete somebody's savings, 20%, 10%, even 5%. So it's really making sure that we tie up that 20% exposure for, for the senior. And there's a couple of ways that folks can do that. You know, you can look at a Medicare Advantage option, which is uh, – Standard, generally an HMO option, which means you have to see a network of doctors. You're going to have very low, very cheap, affordable co-pays. I'm talking 5 or $10 to go to the hospital or to go see a specialist. The nicest feature about the Medicare Advantage plans is a max amount of pocket. Every Medicare Advantage plan in the country is required to offer their beneficiaries a max amount of pocket. So, you know, if something catastrophic does happen this year and I'm in the hospital for 10 days or two weeks and, you know, I maximize all of my insurance benefits, hospital benefits, the maximum out of pocket that I'm going to pay. There's a plan out there this year that has a, a $800 uh, a max amount of pocket at the very worst of the worst. You know that, you know, your entire life savings, your retirement, your home is not going to be depleted. You're not going to have to you know, refinance. You're not going to have to shuffle savings around. You're not going to have to ask for money from the kids. You know, No matter what happens, you're able to, to cover those expenses. And then you've got Medicare supplement plans, which I know we wanted to talk about in, in a little bit, but a plan that's going to cost a little bit more in, in terms of a monthly premium, but give you much larger access to providers. So if cost isn't as much of a concern, but making sure you have access to high-quality care is is the higher concern you know then there's options for for that population as well the most important thing is that people understand that there's a lot of plan options available what's right for somebody may not be the right fit for somebody else and to review those options and, and to find out what's available i would think it's probably the most important thing is finding someone that can assist you because it seems to me like that would be overwhelming to someone who's never had to deal with that sort of thing in the past um you and i are you know in the in the we're brokers so you know we've been in this business we we're, we get this but most consumers just don't understand this and if they don't have a human resources department like they did for example when they were working explaining everything to them it could be very very difficult for them so anyway that's 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 uh that would be difficult, I know, for me if I didn't have a background in this. Uh, my own family members and things like that, they find it one of the most difficult things to do is to enroll in Medicare for the first time. So uh, bless you and all of those uh, agents that help them out with these types of things because it is really overwhelming. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the types and differences in the standalone prescription drug plans in Medicare? Sure. And, and what we were talking about before is just kind of talking about your health plan coverage. Now, as we get into your drug plan coverage, that's a completely different wheel and, and can also add a lot more confusion uh, for anybody who's trying to do this on their own. And all of these drug plans are designed a little differently. They're all required, Dorothy, to cover a certain number of drugs under each therapeutic tier, meaning your, your, your brand drugs, your preferred brands, your preferred generics, your non-preferred generics, um, but they're not all required to cover every drug under that therapeutic tier. So the only way for you guys to, to, to be able to, to really find out what is gonna be the, the, the most affordable drug plan option is to either work with a broker, somebody who can guide you through this process of doing that, that look up and comparing those drug costs, or to really do it yourself and to shop it around with 
all of these different companies. And I, and I think, Dorothy, I think we said uh, this year there's going to be over 95 uh, drug companies just here in, in L.A. and Orange County. And then, you know, there's drug companies that have preferred pharmacies, non-preferred pharmacies. So if you usually plan to go and pick your prescriptions up from Walgreens or Rite Aid, or maybe you do the mail order, um, all of these different options could have an impact on your share of cost and, and your total out-of-pocket expense by the end of the year. And a lot of it can be somewhat significant. And that's where we really see a lot of the change from year to year is on what drugs are covered under what tiers, under each formulary. And so if nothing else this year, I would say for everybody who is on Medicare right now on a Medicare plan or thinks that they may be enrolling onto a Medicare plan in the next year, to meet with the broker sometime between October 15th and December 7th, and at the very least, take a look at what your drug costs are gonna be for this year. And then, you know, all things being equal, um, you know, if you if you like a Humana, or you like a HealthNet, or you like an Aetna, make that decision. But I, I would say the most important thing is to look up your drugs and to see where the difference in, in the, those costs are going to be. Yeah, for sure. So we know what they can sign up for. We know the types of plans that they can sign up for. But what about the big questions? How do they sign up? Can you give us a, a little bit of advice on this for our listeners? Sure. Um, you can go on to uh, Medicare.gov and you can sign up. You can also call in uh, to 1-800-MEDICARE and, uh, and, and you can sign up. You can also go into your local social security office and uh, sign up for Medicare. Now you can do this um, three months before your 65th birthday. That's when you are first eligible. You can do this uh, the month, you have a seven month window basically that begins three months before your 65th birthday. It lasts the month of your 65th birthday and then the coverage continues three months after your, your 65th birthday. Now, if you're continuing to work and you don't want to enroll in Medicare, you don't have to do that. As long as your employer plan is providing credible coverage. And what that means is it means that your employer plan must provide coverage that Medicare considers equivalent to, roughly equal to what you would normally be covered for under Medicare. So as long as you have credible coverage, through your current employer and you plan to continue working, you don't need to enroll in Medicare right at age 65. However, when you are getting ready to leave that employer group plan, that's when that window is going to open up for you. So you may not actually enroll in Medicare at 65, it may be 67, 68, but it's important that you realize that that window is gonna open up when you get ready to leave your employer plan if you continue working and that you only have that window to enroll and sign up for part B and to get enrolled in a prescription drug plan. If you do not enroll in that initial window and you don't have any type of coverage, meaning you're no longer covered under your employer plan, you don't have Medicare when you were first supposed to sign up for it, you will get a penalty and those penalties will follow you around for the rest of your life on Medicare. There's nothing you or I or any other broker that, that these folks can talk to that will be able to reduce those penalties for them. So it is important to understand when you, when you are going to sign up, how long that window lasts for, and to make sure that you take care of business during that window uh, to, to avoid those penalties. Yeah, and some people are going to be a little bit paranoid, I think, about going onto their computer and uh, going onto Medicare.gov, trying to figure this out for the first time. So I think in situations like that, that's when an agent can certainly uh, give them a lot more assistance, I would think, at that time. Yes, absolutely. You can reach out to a Medicare broker, um, reach out to myself. I'd be happy uh, to help you or, or to get you directed to somebody who can help you in an area near you. And I would recommend everybody to walk through this uh, with somebody um, to, to not, like you said, Dorothy, go on Medicare.gov and to try to tackle this on your own um, or to go down to the Social Security office and wait in that long line to try to do this on your own. Certainly wouldn't recommend anybody to be going out into the Social Security office right now, but don't don't try to do this on your own. Um, there, there are programs that are available through the state, through a lot of the pharmaceutical uh, uh, companies to assist in the cost. Um, if, if you are having financial difficulties, but you're not going to find out about that uh, a lot of times unless you're working with somebody 
like an insurance broker who can who can show you what all these programs are, what all is available to you uh, when you're first signing up. Yeah, that's helpful information. We touched on this a little bit. You mentioned Medicare supplement plans. Uh, what do these cover and why are they important? Yeah, so Medicare supplement plans are going to be another solution to somebody that's looking to cover that extra 20% uh, out of cost. So they, they're enrolled in original Medicare. They, you know, they they turn 65, they've been paying their Medicare taxes, they or their spouse. And I, and I want to make sure to, to include this in here, Dorothy. Uh, if you are a non-working spouse, but your, your husband or your wife has worked at least 40 quarters and paid into Medicare taxes for at least 40 quarters, that's 10 years, four zero quarters, um, you will qualify for Medicare benefits as well. So you don't necessarily have to be um, working and paying into Medicare taxes. If you are non-working, but you have a working spouse, uh, you will you will qualify as well. And so Medicare supplement plan is a way of covering that that extra 20%. So a, again, you, you or your spouse was working, you qualify for part A due to paying taxes. You turn 65, you're no longer working, you, you wanna get enrolled on Medicare, so you, you, you sign up for part B. So as to avoid those penalties, those late enrollment penalties, you sign up for part B. Now you've got your original Medicare, you've got your Part A, you've got your Part B, but you're looking at that 20% that we talked about. And so a Medicare supplement, what it's designed to do is it's gonna be an additional premium every month. So you will have to be able to pay for your premium, but it's gonna fill in all the gaps and the holes in original Medicare. That's why a lot of times you'll hear Medicare supplement plans also referred to as Medigap plans. They're designed to pick up all the copays and cost insurance involved with original Medicare. So it's really gonna step in and pay for that extra 20%. Now, Medicare supplement plans do not cover drugs. So anybody who enrolls on a Medicare supplement plan is still going to need to purchase a separate standalone prescription drug plan. It, uh, a supplement plan does have an additional premium in addition to your Part B premium. You know, it's not gonna be a plan that's gonna work out well for seniors that are on fixed incomes, low incomes. Um, this is gonna be designed for your senior who maybe has a little higher income. Because it's an open network plan, meaning if you enroll on a supplement plan, it's accepted here in California, it's accepted in Texas, it's accepted in New York, it's accepted anywhere. So say you spend part of the time here and then part of the time on the East Coast with um, kids, supplement plan will work great. You can take it on the road with you and any doctor that accepts Medicare will accept your Medicare supplement plan anywhere in the United States. But again, it's gonna cost you a little bit extra. So for those seniors that are enrolled and have a, a tight income or a low income, um, that, that monthly supplement premium every month may be difficult. They're gonna wanna look at, at other uh, more affordable options. But for folks where you know income isn't necessarily as, as big of an issue, as making sure that they have access to care and making sure that they have predictable out-of-pocket expenses, meaning they know what their monthly premium is gonna be every month, a supplement plan is, is a great option. Okay, that's great. Well, I wanna summarize this just because I don't deal with Medicare plans like you do, so I wanna summarize mm -hmm. this and maybe if I summarize it in a way that it'll, it'll maybe help other people that aren't as familiar with it as well. So they have Medicare Part A, they have Medicare Part B, which is the doctor component, and then they mm -hmm. have Medicare Part D, which is the prescription component, and then they mm -hmm. can potentially have a Medicare supplement. So in total, they could potentially have four different types of Medicare coverage, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and you'll have your supplement plan, and um, you will no longer you know, receive those bills from Medicare. You'll pay your monthly supplement premium, and then the supplement will, uh, will, will uh, cover your expenses in the hospital, your expenses at the doctor's office, and then you'll purchase a separate prescription plan for your uh, Part D or uh, your prescription benefits at the pharmacy. Okay, great. So is it true that Medicare supplement plans are not available to everyone? That is true um, in, a, in a manner of speaking. So a supplement plan can be available to everybody, but if you do not enroll in a supplement plan when your guaranteed enrollment period uh, is, is first open, so uh, when you're first enrolling in Medicare, or if you move to a new area, or if your plan goes away, 
um, you may get what is called a guaranteed issue period, meaning you have an opportunity to enroll on a supplement plan with no underwriting. If you do not enroll on a supplement plan during a guaranteed issue period, you will need to go through underwriting. And there is a very real chance that you may be denied coverage on a supplement plan due to underwriting or the cost of your monthly supplement premium may go up so extensively that you can't even afford it anymore. So making sure that you understand when your guaranteed issue enrollment period for a supplement is and taking advantage of those guaranteed issue enrollment periods will ensure that you are able to enroll in a supplement plan should you want to go that route and that you will not have to go through underwriting thus having to pay more for that supplement than you normally would. And those issue periods are different in every state. And Dorothy, in some cases, they're even different by the plan. So again, this is another one of those reasons why I know I'm throwing a lot of terminology, I'm throwing a lot of complicated concepts at you. Really want to emphasize why it's so important to talk to an expert, work with an expert who can make sure that they tell you when those guaranteed issue periods are and and you take advantage of them so that you can enroll on a supplement plan when you have that opportunity and you're not paying a lot more later on down the road and and you may not even be eligible for it down the road. That's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, many employer plans continue to offer coverage to their full-time employees, you know, even if they're over age 65. What are the options for them if they're still working but over 65? Yeah, and if you are still working, and again, if your employer plan is providing you comprehensive coverage, meaning you know it, it's credible coverage, like I like I spoke about it earlier, um, Medicare looks at that and and they they view that as being a credible health insurance plan. It's it's going to cover for you. Medicare doesn't want you having duplicate coverage. Medicare doesn't want uh, seniors that are on limited incomes wasting money every month paying for Part B premiums that they're never going to use if their employer plan is going to pay for them. So, you know, and there are different rules depending on, you know, if you have uh, 20 or more employees, if you have uh, 20 or less employees, uh, you may still need to enroll in, in, in Medicare. Medicare may still be primary for you. But if you have 20 or more employees, um, Medicare in most every case is going to be secondary to your employer coverage. So there's no reason if you're continuing to work and you want to stay on your employer plan, you don't need to drop that coverage. You don't need to start paying a monthly Part B premium. But again, you need to have this conversation with an expert. You need to have a conversation with this with your the folks at your HR department to make sure. But you know, I want to make sure that folks don't go out and pay for duplicate coverage that they're that they're not going to need. But if you are getting ready to retire, if you are getting ready to come off of that employer coverage, or or maybe you're over 65 and you've been contributing to that employer coverage, or your employees have all been contributing to that coverage, um, and it's getting more and more expensive the older you get, Maybe coming off of that employer plan and rolling on Medicare is a better option for you. There's a lot of different moving parts to this, and everybody's answers and solutions are going to be a little bit different based off of what they have available to them currently and what they may have available to them through Medicare. Again, so my advice is if you are 65, if you know you're going to be 65 in the next year, you want to see what those options are. You can have that conversation at any time. Even if you decide to stay with your employer plan, there's not going to be a penalty to you. But when you do decide to come off of that employer plan, you do need to make a decision. You do need to get enrolled onto Medicare. You need to enroll in Part B, or you could be facing those penalties, and those those penalties could could follow you around. Right. So the 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 long story, the 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 long answer to that question is Dorothy. There's a lot of different options out there to folks who are still working, but over 65, you may have, uh, you may be over 65 and you want to enroll in Medicare, but say your non-working spouse, say your husband or wife who's staying at home, they're not employed, so they don't have coverage on their own. You may need to stay with that plan for a few years until they become Medicare eligible if they're a few years younger than, than, than you are. You may have someone who's, who's still working past 65 
because they need to continue to provide that group coverage for their their younger spouse. Yeah, and that kind of goes along with the next question I was going to ask you, and I think you pretty much already answered this, but in case there are any additional items you want to uh, add on, uh, what are the pros and cons of dropping off a group plan and signing up for Medicare? Yeah, uh, the the biggest con that I would, again, make sure uh, to, to point out to everybody that if you do come off of your group plan, you may not be able to get it back. Um, so if there's a pension, if there's some kind of retirement that's tied into that, um, you know, you may not be able to, to say, oops, I made a mistake and I need to go back. So yeah, make sure um, that you are reviewing all those options. Um, because again, that biggest con is going to be that if you uh, come off of that employer plan and you, you don't realize it and you, you lose some kind of benefit from that, you may not be able to get that back. And, and so it's so important to have the conversation with the folks at your HR department to weigh all of your options to sit down and look at the costs associated with original Medicare, with the Medicare Advantage plan, with the Medicare Supplement plan, compare all those options side by side and find out what what, what makes the most sense for you. Um, there's, um, there's a lot of pros to, to dropping off of a group plan and signing up for Medicare, but there can be a lot of cons if you don't do it at the right time. Um, there could be cons in terms of penalties and uh, late enrollment penalties that follow you around on that Medicare plan. And again, there could be cons from losing that group coverage and not being able to, to get it back. Yeah, well, I'd say that the message here for anyone listening is don't do anything until you consult with someone who knows what they're talking about and can advise you on these types of things and look at your in, you know, your situation individually and see what would work best for you because this does seem to be, uh, to me, like it would be very overwhelming for seniors. Um, as you know, I specialize in the midsize and large group uh, market, and I do a lot of self-funding. You're on the opposite end of the spectrum from me, you know, with a lot of individuals and a lot of seniors as your clients. What's it like, you know, serving the senior population, and how does that differ from working on the group side, particularly in the large group space? It's a lot of fun because you're you're dealing with individuals, and again, you know, this is uh, this is coverage that a lot of folks, you know, have been paying into their entire lives. They've earned it. We still live here in the United States where 60 to 70% of all bankruptcies are, are caused by insufficient health care, where, you know, there's still so many people, um, d- despite, you know, the, the, the work that, you know, so many uh, great brokers have done to get people enrolled onto the exchange, to, to get people enrolled on health care. There's more people in this country now that have access to quality health care than have ever had it before. But there's still, as we know, a huge segment of this population that doesn't have access to quality health care, either through their employer or maybe they're self-employed and they own their own business and they just they just can't afford it. And certainly before the Affordable Care Act and the work that health underwriters did to make sure that, you know, pre-existing conditions were qualified and everything, there was people that that couldn't qualify for, for health coverage. And to see that relief when they get to 65 and they know, you know, no matter what happens when, when that, you know, that dark day happens. And, and that's why we're all in insurance and, and certainly in health insurance, because we know it's not a question of uh, if, but when. And so to, to get these folks that, you know, again, so many times are dealing with multiple chronic conditions, maybe taking so many different prescriptions, um, maybe have, you know, a history of, of health issues and in, in high blood pressure, cholesterol or heart problems or cancers running in their lives and running in their families to finally get access to the kind of quality care that they've been working and paying into their entire lives is, is a great feeling. Um, but with that comes a great burden onto the insurance brokers to make sure that we are finding the coverage that makes the most sense. Because again, you're not paying a monthly premium to an insurance company you've already paid that monthly premium. You've been paying your taxes every single paycheck, you know, for your entire working lives. You've already paid into it. Now it's a matter of getting the benefits and access to the healthcare that you've been paying for your entire life. And providing those, those solutions to people that need it the most is, is very, very rewarding. Yeah, I can imagine it would be. So what should a senior be looking for if they're looking for an agent to assist them? And again, more than anything else, I'd advise you to find somebody who's independent. They're going to work for your best interests. 
Medicare, CMS, our friends back in Washington, D.C., they regulate how much all of these insurance agents can be paid for selling you a plan. And it's the exact same whether they're selling you plan A, plan B, plan C, doesn't make any difference to them. So there should be no financial inducement for your agent to sell you one plan over another. Make sure it's somebody that's independent, that's going to look out for your own best interests, and that's going to help you compare your plan options to find uh, the one that, that works best for you. And if you have any questions or if you need any help finding a local broker in your area, uh, reach out to, to you, Dorothy. You can reach out to me, and, and I know people all over the place. I can recommend somebody or I, I can uh, answer your questions myself. But the National Association of Health Underwriters has a find an agent tool. Uh, and Dorothy, I'm, I'm sure you probably know as much or, or even more so about this than I do. It's an excellent tool. Um, and, and you can go on there and you can find agents. And it, even if they don't do Medicare, these, these folks are all leaders within their communities and they'll be able to get you in touch with somebody who's a Medicare specialist in that area. And that's going to take care of you. Yeah, and that's nahu.org, by the way. Uh, and we're both members. <laughs> both Ryan and I are members, of course. What do seniors need the most help with? And how can an agent like you help with those things? Yeah, and it's it's going to be um, it's going to be comparing the plan options. It's going to be understanding all this terminology and all this vocabulary, and it's going to be, like I said, the most important thing is looking at your drugs. Um, you know, we always have this you know uh, uh, kind of idea that you know, well, the plan my husband's enrolled on that's just fine for me or the plan that my wife is enrolled on that's just fine for me we've always been on the same plan and as you get older you realize your health care needs change very drastically uh, not only between men and, and 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 women but just individuals and and your your drug regimen is going to be completely unique to you and uh, the specialists and the network of specialists that you need to see is again going to be completely unique to you um, so those are the two most important things. Make sure you, you find a plan that's going to include all of your doctors and all the specialist doctors that you want access to, and make sure it's a plan that's going to cover all of your prescriptions and that you're not paying out of pocket uh, for some really expensive uh, prescription medications that you're going to need uh, at some point down the road. Okay. Well, these are crazy political times. Access to care, of course, is <laughs> very important now. Can you fill us in on the numbers of people enrolling in Medicare? Uh, yes, I can. So I mentioned 10,000 people a day turning 65. Currently, there's 55 and a half million people enrolled in Medicare. And over the next 15 years, another 77 and a half million people are going to enroll in Medicare. Wow. So think of everybody in the entire country right now that's currently enrolled in Medicare and more than doubling that entire population uh, over the next 15 years. So um, I think that that's kind of what led to the Affordable Care Act um, and some of this, you know, we've seen what Donald Trump has done in, in terms of going in and, and, and really trying to um, uh, collectively bargain and collectively negotiate on behalf of, of the Americans with the prescription drug companies um, because you're seeing the, the, the spectrum of so many people turning older in this country and that are going to need access to health care. And it is. It's going to be an enormous financial uh, a strain on our economy, and we are going to have to come up with some financing solutions uh, that, that make sense. Yeah. What are some things that seniors can do to keep their costs down when they're looking for coverage, and what can be done to you know, be sure everyone continues to have access to care? So one of the, the key things that you can uh, do to keep down your costs are uh, making sure, again, that you're seeing doctors and, and specialists that are in-network uh, will save you a tremendous amount of money. Use in-network uh, pharmacies. Um, you know, again, obviously, for the, for the same reasons, your costs will be cheaper using an in-network pharmacy. One of the main things um, that a lot of people don't realize is there is this thing that is called your coverage gap or your donut hole. Uh, for anybody that's currently enrolled on a Medicare drug plan and they're currently taking a lot of prescriptions, unfortunately, they're probably very familiar with the donut hole. It's basically it's a gap and it exists in everybody's Medicare prescription drug coverage where once you hit a certain 
uh, cost threshold, um, you will be responsible for a much higher cost sharing of your prescriptions while you're in that gap. And so making sure that you are enrolled in a plan that will keep you from falling into that donut hole as long as possible or get you out of that donut hole as quickly as possible is going to be critical to saving money. Now, if you're not taking a lot of prescriptions, this probably won't impact you. But if you are taking multiple prescriptions, uh, it goes back to what I'm saying, making sure that you have an opportunity to review those costs. And it's not only what you pay for the prescription that's going to count towards that financial level that's going to knock you to the donut hole. It's also what the drug plan pays as well. So most people don't realize that. Most people think, well, I'm only paying, you know, uh, $20 for my prescription. Uh, I'm never going to go into the donut hole because I'm only paying $20 a month. And, you know, it's never going to reach this, this financial level. But it's not just what you're paying. It's what you're paying plus whatever the drug company is paying the negotiated price. So it's, it's really it's the full price of that drug including your copay and whatever the cost that the drug company is paying that's going to count towards that level that's going to fall that's going to knock you into the donut hole a lot of people don't realize that and they end up falling into that donut hole much sooner or even falling into it completely unexpectedly when they weren't anticipating it and that will put a lot of unexpected costs on uh, their drug plan again review that coverage make sure you understand when if when and if you're going to go into that donut hole and what you can do to to try to push that off or to delay it or to get out of it as quickly as possible. Why do we fill in our listeners on some legislative matters related to Medicare and the senior care market? Let's start with a problem that exists in Medicare as it relates to COBRA coverage. Um, Medicare hasn't been considered credible coverage before. Why is this important? And has there been any movement at all in this direction to get legislation to make this credible coverage? Tell us about the penalties, how much more seniors would have to pay if they're coming off of COBRA, uh, for how long, what the delays are like, and so forth. Um, currently, right now, COBRA does not count as credible coverage. Um, COBRA is that transitional coverage uh, for anybody who is retiring or coming off of their employer group plan. And COBRA is kind of continuation coverage. It's a great way to, to keep your coverage going for a, a period of time while you uh, either move into another job or you, uh, you go about getting uh, other kind of healthcare coverage. Now, uh, where this is an issue for the seniors is that COBRA, uh, the continuation coverage, does not currently count as credible, which again, that means that it's not considered equal quality coverage to either A, your employer plan, or B, what you would have available to you under Medicare. So if you come off your employer plan and you enroll onto COBRA, but you do not enroll onto Medicare, that will be considered a loss of credible coverage. And if you um, do not enroll in Part B, um, when, you're, when you're coming off of that employer plan, say you think you're, you're safe and it's okay, I'm going on COBRA, that is not going to count. That is not credible coverage. And so you will still get those penalties. And what that penalty is, is it's 1% uh, uh, of the national Part D premium per month. And, and that, will, that will add on to your premium. So every single month, it, it may not seem like a huge penalty, a couple of bucks. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, 30-some dollars right now. Um, so it'll be $3 a month, give or take, on your Part D, 10% on your, on your Part B. So it may not seem like, you know, very much, you know, $10, $13 uh, if you add my Part B premium penalty to my Part D premium penalty. But it goes up every single month. And that penalty, you will have to pay every single month. So literally within you know, just a year of not having credible coverage, you could be looking at 100 or more dollars a month in penalties, just in penalties, that you're going to have to pay every single month in addition to your Part B premium, your Part D premium. Um, so, so many people we talk to 
come off of an employer plan, enroll on COBRA, and think they're fine, and they're going to end up with months and months and months of penalties, and there's not anything anybody's going to be able to do about it. Now, fortunately, the second part of your question, there is legislation. It's bipartisan legislation, meaning it has support from both Republicans and Democrats. It's going through the House right now. It's, it's gone through committee. They're going to bring it up through um, in the next session. We don't yet know who all is going to be sitting in that session, how long they'll be in those seats, if they'll get to a vote on this particular bill in that next session. Um, but it's really close. And they've been pushing it through to try to get COBRA to count as credible coverage. And, and if that should happen, then, you know, folks would be able to make that transition onto credible or onto COBRA and, and not have to worry about paying these penalties. But as it stands right now, that bill still has not been approved. It hasn't gone into effect. So if you have folks right now that are getting ready to retire in that next year and they're thinking, I can go on to COBRA and I'll be fine, they need to know you also need to enroll in Part B of Medicare. You also need to get on a Medicare prescription drug plan. Yeah. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been very, very informative, very helpful. It's been great catching up with you, and it's been wonderful having you on my podcast. Um, If people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Sure. I really want to thank you for the invitation. This has been a lot of fun, and and thank you for putting this together because, you know, the the one thing I want to emphasize in in leaving today is it's so – uh, important for people to get solutions uh, to their questions. This is complicated stuff. Um, and, you know, I've been doing this a long time. There are experts out there that um, that deal with this every single day, and it's, it's still confusing for us uh, from time to time, and it's still overwhelming for us from time to time. So get out there, get answers, and get solutions. And I, and I think one of the, the first steps to doing that is is to to be tuned into this podcast. So I think it's it's great that you're putting this together and, and thank you for allowing me to participate. Oh, uh, thank you. And, and you're very welcome, by the way. And it's been, like I said, it's been my pleasure. So thanks, Ryan. So again, you didn't answer my question though. People out there might want to get a hold of you. How do they do that? Sure. Uh, again, my name is Ryan Dorigan. I'm uh, the president of Sunrise Health Solutions, a Medicare agency here in uh, Southern California. My direct line is 951 951- Four two two seven zero zero five, and my email address is Ryan. Dot Dorigan D O R I G A N at gmail dot com. Great, thank you, Ryan. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3. Toll free at 866-658-3835 or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.